Please stop. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. This is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. going on everyone this is episode 13 of the herpeticulture <laughs> podcast starting off strong man. yeah there we go i'm justin smith of palmetto coast exotics and i'm jacob brats with jlb morelia and today joining us on this beautiful evening on the night this of the beautiful herpeticulture south podcast. carolina evening yes we have brandon wheeler from morelia house <laughs> joining us brandon how's it going tonight man What's going on, guys? Doing well, doing well. Excited to be a part of the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. We're really excited about this uh, You episode. were a pretty early choice, yeah. if I recall. I, like, as we were first kind of getting it started, Bratz was like, oh, we got to get Wheeler on. And oh, I was yeah, like, dude. yeah, man. Yeah, I have no idea why. That's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we all, uh, we all say that, though, with uh, the podcast. We're like, why? Like, NPR, like... They want well, us on there? Like, they must be really at the bottom of the barrel. Like, they must have had, like, three people decline to be on. They're like, well, we got these two clowns. Like, sure, bring them on. But that was cool. But it's, you know, it's. I feel like everyone feels the same. It's like, why do you, you want me on it? Because I feel that way when I get asked to come on that stuff. And, uh, well, you guys, I heard you guys on NPR last week, man. That was a really good show. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we had a good time. It was. Uh, if y'all haven't listened to the last Morelia Python Radio episode, y'all go check that out. It was uh, had me and Justin on it. You know, so it was pretty cool. That was a good rolling experience. with the big dogs now. Yeah, man, we're cool. We're cool now. At least I think so. So, so we got to start this out right, fellas. What are you guys drinking tonight? Because if I'm the only <laughs> drunk on here, we're gonna have a problem. Well, I, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, call Justin out right now. Justin's not drinking anything. I am too. He's drinking drink, a ginger ale. I'm drinking ale. an ale. He's drinking a ginger ale. A ginger ale. Yeah. A ginger ale. Okay. That's, yeah. that's acceptable. I'm not, I'm, uh, like, I'm, admittedly, I'm not a huge drinker. Like I do drink on occasion, but I definitely don't drink on a like regular basis. Well, you're the guy like running the sounds and making sure we look good. Exactly. So i got to make sure. I'm, the, I'm like... The Just, puppet master. Justin's got to be the professional one here. Good, Jake. What do you got going on? Well, I've got, I've got a couple canned drinks from the gas station. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty cheap. No, when you it comes tell to everybody that. what that is. Okay, you want to know they what it is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's a Long Are you Island like Steel Reserve. What's that? <laughs> what are you drinking? Steel Reserve over there? Honestly, I don't, I don't really know what it is, but I found it, and it's twelve percent alcohol. So I was like, okay, I'll take that. You don't like when Jacob picks out drinks. It literally has nothing to do with what it is. If no. the alcohol content is above like nine <laughs> percent, he's buying it. He doesn't care what it is. It could be like alcoholic cat piss, and he'd be like, dude, it's ten percent alcohol. It's really good. <laughs> oh god okay. that just sounds like college okay that's, that's awesome well it's not it's definitely not it's college but it's tea. definitely i'm definitely broke yeah i'll tell you what it is i'm not afraid it's to got admit a parrot it. on the can yeah it's got reason. a parrot on the can it's actually really pretty if you think about it um it's it's like it's mxd cocktail co long island iced tea 
So the I'm, Better Culture Podcast is brought to you by NXT <laughs> okay. Cocktail so, Company. So, well, Long Island, I so I'm, I'm, I'm working on respecting the Buffalo, drinking my Buffalo Chase. So there you go. Ready to go. That's because well, you got fuzz but, on your but I, but I also have a little bottle of Fireball on deck for when I finish this drink. So you know. Yeah, like I said, college. It's good. Whose Fireball was that? <laughs> it's absolutely yours. You said I could help myself to anything. Did I tell you there. about my Fireball experience? I think you did. I, every dude, everybody has a fireball experience. Let's just. Long story short, I was in the backyard, pretending to be a brontosaurus from Jurassic Park, literally eating, <laughs> literally eating leaves off a tree in the backyard. And I worked at Walgreens All at the time, right. and I still had my Walgreens uniform on and everything. And I'm literally walking around the backyard like. I, I feel like I'm going to need to catch the long story of that when we're not on a podcast. That's <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to get the long story of that. I feel like everybody who's ever drinking fireball has a fireball experience. I've met so many people that are like, man, I got so messed up, so messed up off fireball. I can never taste it again. Justin, and I don't binge drink either. Like I'm, I, I very rarely binge drink. Yeah. Um, Justin hardly drinks at and all. And This was like the one, you know, like once a year or so I'll get absolutely plastered, but <laughs> I really got to be in the mood to like want to do it. <clears throat> and this was one of those yeah, evenings. Me, the liquor me, store me had too. I call that. I call that once a year carpet fest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when that happens. Dude, I want to go to Carpet Fest. I'm I'm planning on it right now. I'm going to be going to Carpet Fest uh, in California this or next year. You're going to come to the California one yeah, right on. I'm planning. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Uh, I love our Carpet Fest. Please fly out, join us. It's a great time. I got to be honest with you though, Northeast they do it better. We're <laughs> we're working on it. You know, you give us a couple of years, maybe we'll stand yeah, head start. And so. I flew out to Northeast Carpet and look, let's go. California Carpet Fest Southwest was at my house, and I'm telling you, Eric's house is way cooler than oh, my house. That man. Was fun. What what part of California are you in again? Uh, San Diego. Oh, okay, gotcha. San Diego. Yeah, I'm planning on it. Uh, Justin and I are going to be going to Southeast Carpet Fest down in Florida um, next year. We're going to we're planning on having it in February. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. I'm definitely planning on. Uh, I get I get paid vacation at work, so I'm definitely going to be putting stuff to the side to I fly get to out make to California. Up any days I take off. <laughs> so I'm definitely uh, going to be saving up some vacation time to fly out to California for um, Southwest Carpet Fest because I've got too many people I know in California that go to go to that event, <laughs> and I definitely want to go. I went. I went hard this year, man. I, I flew out Friday night. Uh, landed Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Carpet Fest was at Saturday, and I flew out at 11 on Sunday to fly back by 10 p.m., so I think it was Monday. My that's God. dedication to Carpet Fest. <laughs> Dang, right? dude. Yeah, that's hardcore right there, man. I tell you, if I go, if I plan on, if I actually go to uh, California for Southwest Carpet Fest, then uh, I'm definitely going to probably make a week and a week trip out of it might as well that's just that, that's, that too, much for that's too far stuff, to go to not well just go out there yeah exactly. go all the way. especially you know it's one thing if i didn't get paid vac- vacation but if i have like 40 hours built up <clears> on <throat> vacation then i'm out like i said week. i have to pick and choose my vacation battles because whatever days i take off i have to make up eventually for sure i don't have i don't have that problem so <laughs> i love my job but that part is a bit of a bitch well see i can't stand my job so it, it works out. At least I get paid vacation. Yep. You know, so. 
Anyway, I heard you got a I heard you got a scrub this yeah, year. Yeah, man, that's uh, I heard first, you dove in. Yeah, I dove in, and man, I can't tell you, he's going hard. I'm I'm absolutely I'm absolutely obsessed, man. If I had the funds, I would be buying every scrub python I could find. Uh, they are just so cool. Um, so I got a little Maruki Southern scrub from David Means, and uh, man, I tell you, I couldn't be happier. He is so stinking cool, man. Um, it's just working with him has been phenomenal. He's been eating great. Um, at first he was a little dodgy as far as handling goes, but once he warmed up to me and I learned kind of how he worked, he's really started to warm up to being handled. I have yet to take a bite from him, which I'm actually pretty proud of. I'm not going to lie. Oh yeah. That's super weird, dude. You don't have a scrub. You have a fucking mutant. <laughs> yeah, man. He has, he, does he, he at least shit on you? Yeah, he did last time. Last time he did, he did urate on me right, a little good. bit. I was gonna say because if not, dude, your snake's broken. Yeah, no, he de- he definitely uh, let let a little, let a little loose last time. I took him out, but uh, once he calms down, man, he's really good. I really figured I figured out really quick that scrubs really respond to fast movements poorly. They don't like any fast movements, and they definitely mm-hmm. don't like anything moving in front of their faces. So I found that if I kind of stay underneath him, just kind of guide him as he goes and don't make any sudden movements, like he's fine. No problems. Yeah, you know, and I agree with that. It's kind of all in how you do it. And uh, what I found with my scrubs is once I get them outside and into the yard, uh, they tend to be fine, my my adults. Um, But the battle is getting them out of the cage. Right. You're like... You know, I have a couple, which are fine and not a big deal coming out of the cage. You know, I have uh, a, a few adults that are that are cool, but there's two that specifically, like, you're, you got to suit up for war, man. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. ready for battle, full on prep, like, long sleeve, shirt, welding gloves, you know, freaking just ready, you know, hook in hand, because it's just, it's a battle. And uh, I don't know how some of these guys do it. You know, there, there's guys out there that have the really all-natural enclosures, guys like Lawrence uh, Kennington. I'm not sure if they say his last name, but Lawrence over in Europe, his enclosures are, you know, really, really well done. They are very nice. Man, I, I've seen. Really pretty. I've seen and he's got all of his. Yeah, and, like, you can't just pull those those branches out like they're they're screwed in place they're stuck in place i have no idea how the hell he gets his snakes out of his cage because i need everything to come out with the snake because it's wrapped around the perch and they're bad and i gotta try to get the perch out and then like we're cool the snake and i can have a conversation but up until that point it's freaking war man yeah, man, so, I I yeah, saw I saw a video I saw a video you posted uh, not too long ago. Uh, I know you've got a larger female that uh, is a little bit on the uh, frisky side. I'll say, <laughs> yeah, that, that's and, Gypsy. She was the mother of my clutch this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw you go in. You had a hook, welding gloves on, long sleeves. I said, man, Brandon's suiting up for this thing. And you took her out, man. She she just started crapping all over the place, man. I was like... Maybe they know. Damn. I'm like, I'm not going to get to him this way. So. 
You know, and I made that video for a reason, uh, because as much as I want to be an ambassador for scrubs, and I absolutely think it's one of the coolest species ever, I do not want to trick somebody into thinking that they're, like, great pets or awesome snakes to own, because actually they're kind of a pain in the ass, and they're, like, one of the most biggest pain-in-the-ass pythons that you can keep, in my opinion. I've kept a lot of different species of pythons. I mean, I've had a ton of different stuff in my collection over the years. I've kept for a really long time. And these are a bitch, man. <laughs> you really got to be up for a challenge, you know? And if you're at a point in your keeping to where you no longer care about my opinion and that it doesn't matter that I'm telling you that this is a royal pain in the ass because you know that you can handle that, freaking great. But if you're new enough to care what I say, then you're not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, that was, I would definitely applaud you for making that video because I definitely, if I ever saw a video that, or even a post that somebody shared about scrubs being amazing pets, I would absolutely tell them off because scale baby. Yeah. No, if somebody said, yeah, you can boot boop every snoot of every scrub Python ever. Like no with scrubs. The secret is to boop them with your tongue. No, absolutely not. That's no. And (laughs) scrubs are just, they're another, they're another beast, man. They're, they're a, yeah, they're they're they're, a, they're 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 not a chondro. No, they're not they're not a chondro. <laughs> as in you can actually like deal with them a little bit, but you know, uh, but there's definitely they're definitely not a beginner species, and they're definitely not for everybody. Somebody who wants to, you know, I see so many posts about people wanting to find a snake that they say, you know, I want to I want an animal I can cuddle with on the couch and watch TV with. If you want an animal you can cuddle or even handle a little bit, get a, a porcupine. Scr- a scrub is definitely not your, uh, not yours, not a snake for you. You know, it's well. That- you know, I, I I've tested this theory a lot because because I do I take my scrubs out quite a bit. I mean, Gypsy, the one that was in that video, she doesn't come out very often. I would say she probably leaves her her enclosure to be handled, not just cleaning, but to be handled. I don't know. I, I probably actually handled her maybe six times last year, five times last year. She's like year. Hannibal Lecter. Um, <laughs> you know, not often. Uh, right. For the most part, she stays in her enclosure. If I need to take her out, it's to put her in her tub for for while I'm cleaning the cage. I, I'll have a tub that I just move her to. Um, but other than that, I, I try to respect her space. Um, but then again, when I do get her out, you know, as aggressive as she can be while we're in the reptile room and while she feels like she's cornered, because when I just said aggressive a minute ago, I really meant defensive. Um, Once I get her outside and I can get her to start moving away from me, she's fine. You know, I can hold her for a good hour and, and not get tagged and have her be completely chill and fine. And it's really just a matter of misdirection to get them from the point, because when you open the cage, they're zeroed in on you. They want to bite you. Yeah, that's... At that point, it is your job to get them out of that mood and out of that uh, position to where they're trying to retreat. And when you can get them into a retreat, I'm trying to move away, you know, I no longer care about you, I just want to go mode, then you're fine. It, it's a win. No yeah, worries. Yeah, I, so, would, I would definitely have noticed that with, you know, again, I am by no means a, 
a big time scrub keeper. I literally have one and he's a, a little guy, you know, so I can't put in much uh, input on this, but I, I have picked up on little things. Cause one thing I, I try to do with all my animals is really observe their behavior and try to figure out exactly how they work for each individual animal. So I've definitely spent some time with, you know, my one guy and that definitely is one thing I've noticed is when he zeroes in on me, you know, especially like my head, you know, he doesn't like looking at my head it's because it's, it's a big area. It kind of sticks out and he gets very intimidated by my head. So what I do when he's, when I'm handling him, I kind of try to turn him around. One thing I'll do is if I'm standing up, I'll make a, a total 360 degree turn, turn all the way around. And then with doing that, the scrub's head will, or any snake's head will stay in the same position. And then he won't be focused on you. He'll be focused on the area or whatever, wherever you are. He won't be looking at you anymore. And then right then and there, he calms down and just starts moving again. So one thing I do is just try to keep him, keep him moving, keep him not focused on me and just kind of cruising through my hands and whatnot. You know, as long as he doesn't focus on anything that's bigger and in front of him, then he's, he's totally fine. But as soon as he zeroes in on my head or say my hand in front of his face, then he'll rear up, you know, kind of get in that, that striking position, you know, ready to go. But any other time, man, he, he's great. You know, as soon as I notice him kind of rearing up and, looking like he wants to take a shot at me then i'll turn him around a little bit make a little bit of a move and he'll he's he'll start running again and he'll be fine you know there's just such a cool variety in their dispositions um because you really never know what you're going to get and i'm hoping that with you know captive breeding as things get further then then scrubs are going to really end up mellowing out just like retics have berms have you know everything else a lot of stuff comes in wild thought it's super aggressive give it a couple of generations and it's cool and we really haven't seen that many generations of captive bred scrubs at all you know i think there was three maybe four um well i only know of one other person that hatched southerns this year other than me um, David has two clutches on the ground, the three clutches this year, but none of them are Southerns. I know Nerd has Southerns this year. And I heard rumors that there was a clutch in Texas, but that's it. You know, last year I heard of two clutches that were hatched. The year before that, I don't know that any, I mean, super, it, it's not, there's not a lot of them out there, you know, and there's certainly not a lot of F2s. You know, you'll, you'll find a couple of F1s here or there, but F2s, uh, I think David's uh, clutch this year um, were from captive bred adults, so he he might have some F twos this year. Those are the first F twos I've ever heard of, you know. Yeah, so he, we're he, we're not far into. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Even my guy, he was he's a farm hatched animal, but uh, David believed that. He got him in before he even shed out for the first time. So yes, he he was hatched in um, in Indonesia, but he was brought in uh, before you know his first meal, before his first shed and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, there's I would definitely agree with that. There's definitely not a lot of people working with these animals, and that's why I think it's so cool that you know guys like you and David are 
working with some of the some of these guys, you know, to really get them out there, especially guys like David Mann. He's got a huge collection of scrubs. Him and um, Chris Foley, they've got some of the most insane scrubs I've ever seen out there, man. They're really, really cool. Oh, yeah. All kinds of good. What's your favorite species? Or, I'm sorry. Oh, hold on. I missed both. There's a couple different species of scrubs, <laughs> but there's also a ton of localities. So between yeah. species and locality of scrubs, what's your favorite? It's definitely split up between three. I got to say, obviously, I'm partial to the Southerns because I have one. You know, obviously, I like the Southerns, um, but <clears throat> some of the Barnecks that I've seen are just absolutely insane, man, especially like the Sarongs and... I, Honestly, I don't really know how to pronounce it. Kofiu or Kofiau? Kofiau. Yeah, yeah. I, I say Kofu, Kofiau. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I don't really know how to pronounce all that stuff. You know, whatever. Coffee. Coffee, yeah. The Kofiau, whatever. <laughs> so, I really like so, some of those. So for the for the listeners, the Kofiau, that's more of a, like a reduced pattern look to the bar neck. Right. So your sarongs are typically going to have a very heavy barred pattern. And the Kofiel, uh, that's where I can say it, are, are from an island um, west of Sarong. And Sarong is at the most northwestern tip of um, western Papua. So if you, if you go to the west, pretty good distance, then it's an isolated island. And those are barnecks as well, but the, the rest of the pattern, you get that barred neck, but the rest of the pattern is super reduced and faded out. Uh, creating a really cool looking screw. Yeah. If I could keep any of them, I'd be having homes. I'm a, I like the home of Harris a lot. Yeah. That's my favorite of the lot. Yeah. Homes are cool. Those Very are cool. Definitely, so those those, are those really guys cool. are going to be a little, again, uh, from, from uh, West Papua, those are on an island more northwest. So those suckers are like right on the freaking equator. <laughs> and uh, they don't look anything like the Barnett. You know, it's a it's an isolated group of scrub pythons that look absolutely completely different. If any of the scrub pythons, with the exception of like Bowens, just look completely different from everything else, it's the Homer. Yeah, I uh, mean yeah. those things are freaking sweet. I remember the first picture I saw. I don't remember if I was looking through a book or if I was online, but I remember scrolling across that that I think one probably the, one of the first pictures they have of them uh, in in recent years at least. And I think it was by the Barkers. Uh, I remember scrolling past that, and I just stopped, and I was like, "What is that?" And I looked <laughs> it up because I'd never seen it before. And I remember that's like just stuck with me ever since. And it's it sucks that there's not more They're people doing stuff with ass. them, but they look so cool. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a guy that lives pretty close to me uh, who he has a trio of them. Uh, that I, I've been in. He might even have more than a trio. I'm pretty sure he has a trio, uh, and they're freaking cool. I just want him to breed them so bad. He he's tried for years, nothing to happen. I was gonna say Maybe apparently they they've been having be issues different. with that, haven't they? Like no one can yeah, get, no one can get eggs out of them. Do it. Yeah, no one's been able to do it. And I would love a shot. I I really want to give it a shot, but I just I honestly I haven't found anyone that'll sell them to me. Uh, hmm. I don't even know, know where people uh, are getting the ones they have now. I, they're freaking rare. And they're, they're they're as rare as it gets, and they're they're hard to find. They're they're pretty expensive they go they've gone up in price a bit the wild caught ones that i have seen and the problem with the wild caught ones is man those things end up freaking dead um 
you know, it, getting them to survive that first two years is like half the battle. And then maybe you can try to breed them, um, you know, just based off what I've heard. I've never owned them before. You know, as far as scrubs are concerned, I've, I've had um, the Southern Marukes for a while. I've had Sarong, Barnax, and then I had Malukan pythons uh, for a long time as well. And those are just the three that I've kept. Um, I want them all. I just don't have room. You know, my, my reptile room is completely capped. I'm full, top to bottom. I've got a group of snakes coming within the next couple of weeks or so that I purchased this year that I'm really excited about. And once those are here, I'm at max capacity. You know, I, I try not to to fill my room with more than I can hold as an adult. So if you're an adult, I want you to be able to live here. Even though a lot of the stuff that I have are hatchlings, I have a empty adult boa rack uh, that'll put a lot of different stuff in it. And, and that's it. I'm tapped out. I need another house. I need to upgrade. I need to move. <laughs> We're there. You know, yeah, whenever your it. snake room fills up, that means you need to move or build a snake house. No, I just need to move. I'm rent. So it's time <laughs> to buy a place. And there you then, go, uh, It'll be awesome. I was arguing with the, the wife earlier about if we buy a condo, can the snakes have the master bedroom? So I can stay in the <laughs> Sounds now like they're going to need it. cool conversation, dude. It didn't go well. She said I can have one stack. So we settled on a wall stack. She said, you got, I can have one cage in there. And I said, what about a stack? Like just one wall, and she agreed that if we buy a condo, the master bedroom can have one wall stack. That Compromise. Collection. So yeah, I, I thought that was pretty epic. Yeah. Good wife, good Def- wife. Definitely, man. Definitely. If you can find a woman that puts up with our hobby and our habits with all of this, then you got a good woman. That's that's for sure. That's uh Oh dude, she freaking hates snakes too. She's really <laughs> cool. She's not even a fan. <laughs> that sucks, dude. <laughs> it works out. My girl, uh, she does pretty good with it. Uh, she's definitely not. She's definitely not a snake like enthusiast. Like she doesn't keep any, but she definitely likes snakes. Like she used to have like a freaking ball python or something like way back in the day. But she loves all of my animals, at least the ones that she can hold without getting bit by. You know, then she's definitely cool with it. But. You know, I'm definitely definitely thankful to have have a girlfriend that uh, definitely puts up with with you? this hobby. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm definitely something that you have to put up with. That's for sure. Not easy yeah, to not totally. easy to go out with. <laughs> but uh, she yeah. will hold pretty much two of my animals. So I have a female. <laughs> I have a female Brisbane locality coastal carpet that, that she likes and will hold. And that was one where I bought my Brisbane's at the beginning of our relationship. So it was <laughs> just a little hatchling when we got it, you know, and she's watched it grow up. She's about four years old now, so she'll still hold that one. And then uh, Vega, uh, my female diamond, she'll handle because um, nice. she's used to Vega. But that's it. None of the other snakes show anything to do. <laughs> so the, the diamond and one of the coasters, but that's where it's where stopped. I gotcha, I gotcha. Now, out of what you've kept, what you have as far as scrubs go, uh, what's what's been your favorite uh, locality or, or species out of the bunch? Um, if hell you, if no. You had to it's pick not one. really fair because this is my first time attempting to breed Barnex will be this season. Um, and I, I only I had one female Malukin, so... I really, really, really like Malukins, man. They're, they're awesome. And that snake... 
I probably did everything wrong with. Um, I got it when I'm 32 now, and I got my Malukin when I was like 22. Um, and I had her for about seven years, 21. I was 21 when I got her. I had her for about seven years and raised her from a, she was a farm bred hatchling, uh, which is like the rarest thing ever. Unfortunately, I didn't know that back then. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea how rare it was, you know, uh, but she was a female and it was one that was just going to be a pet and I never looked for a male for it because at that time my house was Noah's Ark. So I just wanted like one, maybe two of everything. But <laughs> it was, uh, it was one of those, like I had, I got a collect from all syndrome, like hardcore and kept a whole bunch of random stuff. One of those being the Malukin Python. And she's the first one that taught me about scrubs and made me fall in love with scrubs. Uh, so she was my first. So Malukin says the whole dear to my heart. I'm waiting for uh, my good friend Scott Borden or David, whichever, uh, to breed them so that I can buy a pair of, of captive bred babies. Which at this point in time, I mean, it's sickening, man. This is we're talking 11 years ago when I bought got my Malukin. I bought her for like 200 bucks. Damn, man! <laughs> <laughs> if I could find a Malukin for 200 dollars right now, I'd be begging yeah. for somebody to take my money like that. Yeah, crazy. yeah, I know. Those they're like they're going for over a grand to be like fifteen hundred a piece God, now. Damn, it's man! Crazy, you know, for like yeah, if you can even find them. So anyway, that'll tell you how much times have changed and market fluctuation. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Um, but I, I can't pick favorites over my Sarongs and, and, and my, my Southerns. You know, Southerns kind of, I feel like, are the coastal carpets of scrubs. Like, people really either love coastals or like, blah, nice coastal. It's brown. Earth <laughs> tone. Earth tone brown snake. Yeah, you know, yeah. but, but once you get past that and you're over the color and the brown, and dude, I freaking love brown snakes. I don't know what it is with earth earth tone snakes in my collection, but it's full of them. Dude. Like, I'm not even really a morph guy. I have one morph in my collection right now. That's it. I have a zebra jungle carpet that I bought in 2011, and that is the only morph that currently exists in my collection. Everything yeah. else is wild type. Yeah, dude. I really, I would really agree with you on that. I've as of late, like I've I have a couple morphs uh, within Popwings right now. I keep I've got an Exanthic, a head Exanthic, and then a granite Popwing carpet, and then I've got I've got a couple Jaguars, um, some IJ Jags, and then uh, some Coastal stuff. But man, right now I'm trying to sell everything that I'm trying to sell my group, my trio of Coastals that I've got, and then I'm. I'm throwing around the idea of selling my IJ Jags because I've really just started to become more of just a, just more of a ground tone guy, you know, normal, you know, I'll still, I'll still keep uh, like the granites and the Xanthics when it comes to pop one carpets, because I'm just, I'm partial to pop ones. That's kind of my thing. Uh, but anything else, you know, I really want to work with some, I do want to work with coastal still in the future, but you know, they're just going to be, bins, bro. yeah, that's exactly, that's ex- actually exactly what Brisbane. I want to get. I want to get, a, you. I want to get some Brisbane coastals and I want to get some Palmerston jungles and then a pair of Darwin's and that's going to be about it. Um, no, I, I, no I morphs, no nothing. I bought, you know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I bought some Tully's this year. 
Some what? Tullys. Tully locality jungles. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. I that's love a, locality shit. Dude. Yeah, that's that's definitely what I want to get into. I want to get m- way more into the locality stuff and then more of the line bread things, you know, just stuff that isn't morphs. I'm really trying to get out of all that. Um, like I said, I've got my trio coastals up and then I'm throwing around the idea of selling my uh, two IJ Jags. The only thing I've got with them is just more attachment things. Like I just, I just really love those steaks. They've been great animals. And even if they don't breed, like part of me just doesn't want to sell them simply for, you know, attachment purposes. Sentimental but, value. Yeah. Sentimental value, you know, uh, but, yeah, which, which he's got to do, you know, and it's hard because you can, you can't have a freaking gazillion animals in your collection. Some people do, but it's important to be able to manage what you've got and you've got to prioritize your collection properly. Man. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's exactly, that's exactly what Justin told <laughs> me. You know, I, I was told him the other day, I've got a 93, I, I'm trying to remember the percentages. I think it's 93.75% IJ Jag. She's like the uh-huh. most popular animal in my collection. She's you know, anytime. Gorgeous. Anytime I post anything on my Instagram about her, I get, you know, close to a hundred plus likes on her, you know. She's she's freaking Man, gorgeous. I can't get more than fifty. Nobody even likes me on Instagram. Morelia House. <laughs> Morelia underscore house is you know, Instagram. Yeah. Y'all so y'all go right y'all right go follow Brandon Brandon Wheeler yeah. at Morelia House. Like he's 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 the shit. Like you gotta follow him. My posts are pretty, damn it. I take a lot of time. <laughs> Puts a lot of effort into him. You would but, appreciate it if you go appreciate yeah, his exactly. Account. But you know, I've been throwing around the idea of selling her, you know. Part of me <clears throat> part of me is like, you know, she's really pretty. She can make some awesome babies in the future, but the other part of me is like, I want more scrub pythons. Like that's and you just weigh out which one you want. Yeah, more. exactly. And you know, I'm trying to, you know, obviously there's sentimental value in her because a she's an awesome snake. Like she's super, super docile. And when it comes to, you know, she's a jaguar. So when it comes to the neurological problems, like she has zero. She doesn't twist. She doesn't turn anything like that at all. She's absolutely perfect in every way. And she is freaking gorgeous, man. She's got a perfect X on her head for a head stamp. She's got a very clean pattern. Like, she's perfect in every way. But, you know, so she's she's everything that you want in an awesome Jaguar. But at the same time, I'm over here like, mm, I really want more scrub pythons. Like, you know, so I'm trying to weigh out, like, what's more important to me. You know, the big picture of my future and my business or keeping an animal that just has some sentimental value, you know? So, and I have no, I I have no doubt that if I posted her up for sale, you know, she would probably go relatively quick. Like, you know, like I said, she's my most popular animal, you know, she's just a Jaguar. So So she wouldn't go for an arm and a leg, but I also wouldn't sell her to just anybody. You know, she. How do you feel about how do you feel about breeding jaguars? That's the other. That's the other problem I'm running into. You know, I'm really at when I first got into keeping um, carpets. You know, I really was all about. You know, I was okay with breeding jaguars. Like, okay, like I, I can do that. Like, it's fine. 
but now as I've gotten more into the hobby and more advanced with it, you know, um, the Jaguar mutation has really just kind of started to pull at my ethical strings. You know, um, one thing that, that really bugs me is, you know, I think about, is it ethical to reproduce this species knowing that it could possibly be really dysfunctional you know especially since i've seen that firsthand you know i traded um elias's fuscus that i had which was you know the water python i had one for a while and she was really great um but i ended up trading her for a super caramel jaguar that was a uh, pure coastal and i got that animal in and man he his neurological disorder is just it's bad. Like it's really bad. I cannot handle that animal at all without getting bit. You know, it's all hook. I have to tail him, hook him, and then put him in a tub. I can't handle him normally because he thinks anything that comes near him is food. And anytime yeah. I open him up, he's twisting and turning all over the place. And I just feel bad, you know? So I see stuff like that and I'm like, man, do I really want to reproduce something like this, knowing that it could possibly turn out exactly like this dude. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, like, you I, know, I know too well what you mean, man. I know too well. I, uh, I've bred Jags were a cornerstone of my collection for a long time. And I've had a lot of them and I've produced a lot of them mm -hmm. and it fucking sucks, man. When you hatch a clutch, and one of them comes out corkscrewing. Mm -hmm. And you hold it in your hand, and it can't ride itself, and it corkscrews all over the place, and you're just like, fuck. Should I call you? Like, do you want to live? Yeah. What are you going to do with your life? Because I had one that hatched out of the egg, which was like one of the worst neurological issues that I've ever seen. And then it ended up eating and I was like, holy crap, you want to live. Like, now I've got a real dilemma. Yeah, you know? yeah, Because yeah. at first I thought, like, you were going to hate your life and you were going to just not want to live and I, I can call you and, and feed you to my buddy's tegu and it'll be fine. But, like, <laughs> you really want to live. Like, you're going to eat and you're going to survive and it's going to be okay. And it ate one mouse and it ate two mouse and it ate five mice, which you don't leave my collection until you eat five mice. And uh, I was like, fuck, you've eaten five mice. And he stops corkscrewing. People tell you that Nero never gets better, only gets worse. That's bullshit. I can tell you for 100% fact that that is bullshit. I don't know who made that crap up, but it is not true. Now, I have had multiple Jags that start out completely fine and turn Nero later on in life. That shit happens. But I have also had Jags that start out Nero and end up less Nero still neuroy. I'm not going to say that that neuro went away. It doesn't, but like relatively normal, it happens. And he was cool and hungry and liked to eat a lot. And it was probably one of the prettier things that I hashed. One of my buddies really wanted him and, you know, full disclosure about the whole neuro shit and whatever. The snake's still alive and happy. And the guy that I sold him to is happy as can be in love with the snake. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I after that, after that season of hatching Jags, I did sell all of the Jags out of my collection and I stopped reproducing them. And that was a personal decision that I made. And I don't 
have any opinion about, you know, people that currently breed Jags, I think it's fine. You want to breed Jags, dude, breed Jags. You want to breed morphs, dude, breed morphs. You like locality shit, do it. You like normal shit, cool. You like ball pythons, freaking have fun. Like, I don't care. There's there's room in this hobby for everybody. Everyone should have their own niche, and people should breed what they want to breed. And anybody who has this crazy opinion about it, like, it's fucking bullshit, blah, 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 should shut the fuck up and sit in their corner because they haven't been around long enough. That's not how the market works, man. Yeah. And that's not how this hobby works. Deal with it. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree with that, you know, with the with the whole Jaguar mutation, you know. It's it's not that I I definitely don't look down on people who breed the Jaguar mutation like if that's what you want to do that's fine it's just something right now that i'm trying to figure out if i want to personally produce you know and that that's just a personal thing you know has nothing to do with anybody else i'm definitely not gonna trash anybody for breeding jaguars definitely not gonna look down on anybody you know it's just a personal thing do i want to produce these animals you know going in knowing that they could be you know functioning you know absolutely just brain dead you know like this i can't i can't absolutely cannot handle my super caramel jag without getting bit like he literally thinks everything is food i remember when i first those are the best snakes though (laughs) dude it's like yeah they they eat they eat great that's awesome but man getting him out dude all he wants to do is try and eat me i tell you the first time when I got him in the mail, you know, I, again, I traded my water python for this animal. And I tell you, I, I loved my water python. They, it was hard to give her up, but I did to focus on carpet pythons. And I got this animal in, and I asked the guy who sold her to me or that traded me for, you know, how his neurological disorder was. And he was like, oh, he kind of jags out during fe- during feeding time. But, you know, any other time, he's usually okay. He's pretty handleable. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. So I took him out of the bag that he was in when I got him in the shipment and I was holding him for a second and he was acting just weird. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe it was from the shipping. And then he kind of bit my pants a little bit and I was like, oh God, okay, I'm probably about to get tagged. So let me try and put him in his enclosure. And I tried to get things in order to put him in and and before I knew it, man, he (laughs) latched onto my hand and wrapped my wrist and gave me probably the worst bite I've had from a non-venomous species. And I'll specify non-venomous. Ah, I'll specify non-venomous yeah. because I've been bit by a rattlesnake. But uh, he latched onto my hand. Ironically, the same hand that I got bit by by the Western Diamondback. And he got right on my thumb. And it hurt like a son of a gun. And he wrapped around and it took everything I had to get him off because he did not want to let go. He wanted to eat me. But uh, ever since then, man, he's I, – I haven't trusted him, I'll tell you that. You know, I use com- all hook every time I take him out. You know, I'll tail him, but if I keep – I have to keep his front end handled because – what the hook? Because if he – he'll try to turn on me every chance he gets. You know, he just thinks everything is food, and I feel bad for him because he's not aggressive. Like, he's really not – he's not a mean animal by any means, but he just thinks – Everything is food. Anything, yeah, pretty much. Oh man, I had a Maclots python swallow my finger once. Oh god, <laughs> that was that was cool. <laughs> I had a Western hog. I had a Western hognose snake try to swallow my finger one time. 
<laughs> oh, you don't want to let that happen. That's bad business, man. Yeah, uh, that that was that. not good. Uh, whack, no. back I, I let the Macalots Python swallow my finger. I thought it was awesome. I have a whole bunch of pictures. I even made a meme out of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> when booping the snoot goes wrong, and then it's a picture of a Macalots Python eating a finger up to my knuckle. I think oh my I saw it. God. It went kind of viral, actually. Like, Reptile Reporter shared it, and it kind of ended up all over the place. But, yeah, that was my breeder female Macklots Python. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I had a, back when I first was, you know, keeping snakes, you know, I couldn't keep larger constrictors. So I had a few, um, a few colubrids, and uh, I had a couple hognose snakes, which I still really love hognose snakes. Um, really cool species. I had a pair of when West, they eat yeah i had a pair of western hogs and my female was just an absolute monster she loved food and anything to do with food man so i took her out for feeding and back then i actually used feeding tubs so i would take them out of their enclosure put them in a separate you know bin for feeding <clears throat> and uh while i was i put her in and as i was coming bring my hands out of the tub she reached up and grabbed um grabbed my finger thinking it was food and latched on and she didn't want to let go for nothing, man. She did held you get on. envenomated? I, I, I kind of did actually. I want after she held on for a solid minute and a half and I was trying to get her off. You know, I didn't want to just pry her off. So I tried running her head underwater, hoping she would let go. And that just made her clamp on even tighter. So, I eventually, after realizing she wasn't going to let go, she actually moved down my finger a little farther. I just uh, used my other hand and picked up her mouth from that little upturned nose they have. I put my finger under that and pulled her mouth up and um, got those fangs out and slid my finger out, fortunately. And uh, that night, actually, my finger swelled up like quite a bit and it started to turn purple and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have to go, I didn't go to the hospital or anything, but my finger absolutely turned purple about halfway down and there was a, uh, and there was a good bit of swelling, but I took a, I took a little bit of Benadryl and passed out because Benadryl makes me sleep like nobody's business. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. That, that, that's like, that's not good advice. Kids <laughs> don't let that shit happen. <laughs> that was go to the hospital. Right? Yeah. If that's that happens, advice. definitely go to the hospital, that's, but that's I, I took, advice. I took some Benadryl to help with the swelling and I went to sleep and it was fine the next day. Um, for the Western Diamondback, I did not do that. I can tell you that right now. I absolutely did not oh, do that. Good. Good. Yeah. That's but, good. um, but yeah, that was, uh, that, that was probably the worst non venomous snake bite I've ever had next to that super combo Jag that I took. He was, a uh, that thing's a little jerk, man again, but he's not aggressive. He's just, thinks everything is food you know um but see i'm not really into jags that much to begin with so i probably wouldn't breed them if i had them you know if i had them i just for for me the jags just don't really do it for me not your deal well you know the market's changing and the hobby's changing you know like for instance, earlier today, uh, I was on the Carpet Python discussion board on Facebook, which I'm, I'm one of the admins for that group. I know you guys aren't all freaking in groups and shit. Jacob's more than I am. Board. 
so you guys left it because whatever. But anyway, I'm I for the uh, for the record, I am in. I'm still in the discussion group. I'm in a lot of groups on Facebook for carbon pythons. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the curmudgeon that left yeah. them. So. Damn it. Anyway, <laughs> I was in that group earlier, and there was a caging post that comes up, and you know somebody is asking what the best cage size was for an adult coastal carp. You know, and, and my response is 4 by 2 by 18 and there's another response with 4 by 2 by 15 which is fine, you know, for, like, minimums. And, and that's just been the standard, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. Right. But now there's this new movement in the hobby to where that's, like, no longer acceptable all of a sudden for a lot of the, 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 the younger generation. Now it's got to be, like, six foot, apparently. The millennials. That's, like, the new thing is it has to be a six foot. I'm like, when? When did that happen? You know, like, it, four by two by two or 18 or 15, that's been the standard shit for, like, 20 years, you know? I, I mean, I've been doing this for a while. I, I'm not that old. I'm 32. I started keeping when I was 12. I started keeping carpets at 16. And since I was at least 16, like, 4 by 2 by 2 that's like a perfect carpet enclosure, yeah. no matter what you've got. I, got I don't know if people think coastals get bigger than they actually do or what. But apparently now, just newsflash, that shit's unacceptable. It is no longer okay. There, and, and you have to have a six foot cage now for coastal carpet pythons. Otherwise, you're a fucking asshole. No, man. So, I, I, yeah, I would absolutely. Facebook told me so, so I'm just spreading the news. <laughs> it's, it's, I would absolutely agree, disagree with that because I've got, I keep, I've got a big, in my opinion, she's a huge coastal. Um, you know, she was given to me at this size. So, you know, I really had no control of how big she got. Um, to me, she may even be a little overfed, but she's a pure coastal Jaguar produced by Nick Mutton. And she's just, she's every bit of at least probably seven foot, you know, she, you have a 10 foot coastal? No, seven, seven. Oh, I was gonna be like, bro. Yeah, no. You got she... the one I have been waiting for a ten foot post. No, no. <laughs> everybody I... tells me they get ten feet. Yeah, like, like let me said, see it. <laughs> I've been doing this shit for sixteen years, and I have not seen a ten foot fucking coastal carpet in sixteen years. No, so, no. Anybody tells me my coastal's about to hit ten feet, I'm like, really? Like I was a fucking lottery. I'm pretty sure they don't actually get that big. I don't know who made that up. Yeah, no, but she she's every bit of seven foot plus. Like she's a big girl, and yeah. I've so I've been feeding her sparingly. She gets a large rat about once a month, uh, just so I can keep her on the healthy side. Because to me, she's a little plump. She's got a little too much squish going on in her body. Um, but that's just you know my opinion from what I've experienced with carpets. But like I said, she's a big girl, you know, for coastals and she's in a four by two by 15, you know, she's much more terrestrial. She doesn't, she doesn't really climb at all. She sits in her hide and then she moves to the cool side. You know, she's not much for climbing. So I keep her in a 15 inch high cage, but other than that, she's in a four by two. And do you, do you, uh, do you, are you more of a perch guy or a shelf guy? I see this is my opinion. Uh I apply perches or I, shelves and perches. You see what I've done? I've actually come up with a little bit of a um a perch idea for some of my animals. Um I create kind of more of a I use PVC pipe 
So, but yeah, on one I end, yeah, on one end, I make kind of a square, uh, for more of a, a shelf type deal so they can kind of lay out and, you know, make use, utilize kind of a shelf, uh, system. And then off yeah. the end of that square, I have two pieces going out to use more of a perch so they can utilize, uh, either, or if they so desire. So that's that's cool. a little design that I personally came up with. If you want pictures, I'll send you one. Uh, one of my, uh, dude, my... Uh, honestly, I'm staring at one of my scrub cages right now, and it's exactly what you just said. I nice. already have that going on in my own house. So, nice. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah, so I've definitely utilized that, and uh, my 50% IJ Jag male has really loved that. He utilizes that constantly, um, and the way I go about providing perches for animals is basically based on animal animal by animal if i i'll uh if you know when i use cages uh which i do for my larger animals i'll give them a perching option and if they use it then great i'll leave it in they can keep it then they can keep perching all they want but if they never use it they have no desire to climb at all then i'll take it out and i don't see the purpose in keeping it in there if they're not going to utilize it so use a shelf then dude if you got a per I, I i'm telling you shelves are worth that i i love shelves i have shelves and not all of my enclosures but a lot of them mm. and they get used pretty frequently man you know the carpets that don't like perches do like shelves carpets nice. don't like shelves like perches arboreal hides are cool too i've, I've got a few of those going on and, and those are pretty sweet nice um that's kind of what's all. And the, the scrubs, I'm a scrub in a six. So I, I had to get, it's not like I keep all my cages are fucking small. Uh, I've got a six foot by two foot by four foot scrub cage. And my barnack sits in the same spot every freaking day. Every day. Every day. He is on the top shelf. I have a shelf. Well, I have one, two. There's like four different shelving options and some perch options and two different hide options in this cage. And this snake sits in the same spot under the same shelf every freaking day. And it kills me because I've put a lot of thought into this enclosure. And it doesn't <laughs> give a shit. If I would have just put that shelf there the entire time, the snake would have been freaking happy as could possibly be. Because yeah, yeah. it loves that shelf. <laughs> That's it. That's awesome. That's all it does in this cage. You know, I got options in here, you know. I don't know. Oh, something I, I kind of wanted to talk about. So I did a lot of research on different things over the years when it comes to scrub. And after I did, actually, I was on a, a different podcast. I was on from the ground up, and I kind of went over everything that I did for breeding season for, for my southerns, and, and I mapped it all out. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, I'm going to go into Barnex this year. You know, I'm going to do everything the same do everything the same, everything's going to be cut, paste, this is what I'm going to do. I started thinking about it, and I started researching the habitat. Because um, something that when you're breeding a species that hasn't really been bred a lot before, you'll find that you kind of make your own information up as you go. Yep. Uh, good luck finding other people's work on it. It's not there yet. There's no scrub book, you know. There's a great carpet python book that'll tell you exactly what to do, but there is no fucking scrub book, and it, it's they're their own shit. So I was like, well, okay, cool. So I, I thought about it. I started Googling stuff, and I spent the better part of the day doing quite a bit of research on the differences between Barnack and Southerns, and there's a huge difference between 
Barnex and, and Southerns, between specifically the Sarong locality, which I own, and the Maruke locality. Uh, so to kind of backtrack and get back into scrubs, it's Somalia and Mistina. Yeah. Uh, probably said it wrong. I say everything wrong. That's the species. That being said, there are multiple different localities within this species that are completely fucking different from each other. Not necessarily unlike carpets, because with carpets, you've got Morelia spilota, and there's kind of a huge push for everything to just be Morelia spilota. That's Morelia spilota. Yeah. There are people out there that want to completely get rid of the subspecies. They want to put Imbricata in its own species, just like Bredley is. And then IJs, Coastals, Jungles, Diamonds, they want to put into their own species, yeah. their same species, and suck them all back together because there's, they're in, just say that they're separated by geographic origin. And animals being, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong or that I agree with it, because honestly, if that actually happened, uh, it would be a fucking royal clusterfuck for herpiculture. Um, now, science doesn't care about herpiculture because science is science, but if that happens and all of a sudden I can breed a diamond to a jungle and it's no longer a hybrid, my world's going to fucking end. But that pumps scrub topic. So everything uh, within Amnestina is separated by locality. And the Strong is in the most northern west portion of Papua, of uh, western Papua. And if if the, the, uh, I'm sorry, Maruke is in the southernmost east portion of... Yeah, they're in of, completely opposite corners, adjacent Papua. corners. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty far apart. Um, you know what? I actually wrote down exactly how far apart they are, but I don't know where it's at. I'll I'm so you. prepared. <laughs> anyway, they're a fucking long way apart. It's like right. 800 miles or something like that. Not close to each other. So what I found is that the southern... Scrubs, they actually have winter seasons, um, you know, which I, I kept my southerns this year down to about 60 at night when I was cooling for the winter time. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're kind of the lowest record temperatures during their winter season it is about that. You've got 62, 63, 58, 58. So really high 50s, low 60s, you know, that's kind of the low for, for that region. Hey, uh, hey, I, I hate I hate to cut you off real quick, Brandon, but just just out of curiosity, when you bred your southerns, did you heat them back up during the day? Yes, always. Okay, okay yeah, just always. just just to make sure, you know. So you dropped their night temps down to the mid sixties ish, and then you heated them back up. You gave them a hot spot, you know, during the day for about eight to twelve hours ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So okay. with um, so like say in. August, for example, um, the lowest recorded nighttime low ever in Maruke is 58 degrees. But the highest recorded daytime temperature ever in Maruke is 92 degrees. During the, so same, pretty, during the same month? Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. So okay. there's a pretty big variance in yeah. temperature between night and day. That's a huge and, difference, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, those aren't the averages. For instance, the average, I uh, just gave you September. Um, average low in September is 69, and the average high is about 85. Um, so, I think 65. Yeah. 
Um, so they kind of hang out in that range. If, if you keep them, you know, during during the day, 75 to 86, that's just their normal life. You know what I mean? Um, right. Now, if you go to Barnax, it's completely freaking different, dude. Barnax nighttime and daytime temperatures for the winter are the exact same as the summer. They almost don't change at all. There wow. is no fluctuation in Barnax temperature-wise. If you if you Google strong Papua New Guinea, you will find that their nighttime low. Hold on, I wrote it down. I don't want to say anything that's necessarily wrong. Uh, actually, okay, so. They're, uh, they've got a high of 85 to 87 and a low of 75 to 76. And wow. with that's pretty much year-round. So you may have a night that's like 77, but in the winter it's 75. You're talking like a two-degree variance, dude. Right. All year-round. Freaking 12 months out of the year. That's it. There's no temperature fluctuation. So- but there is a massive rainfall fluctuation. That, that's so exactly raining, what I was going to say, you know, is what yeah. stimulates their breeding is more of a wet season versus, you know, a cold season, you know, you know, a in some, in some areas, a cold, a winter, you know, variance, you know, might stimulate their breeding. Whereas in other areas, it's going to be a wet season that stimulates their breeding. Exactly. So with, with Barnex specifically, their monthly average during the, the dry season is about 5.2 inches of rain, yeah. which is still a fucking lot. So 5.2 inches of rain is their dry season. Okay. But uh, and that's per, you know, per month average. Uh, during June 6th, or around June 6th and June, that 31 days, they average 10.1 inches of rain Damn. is their wet season. Uh, so the, the, the chances of rain, you know how our weather forecast is like chance of rain today, 20%, 30%. The average chance of rain in Suriname is like 76%. <laughs> and that's <laughs> like every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and their average humidity year round is a hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. It's freaking terrible in Suriname. <laughs> it's hot all the time it never gets that cold and it's 100% humidity constantly but in Maruke it actually does get down to 58, 60, 62 and their relative humidity is closer to 70, 80% and that fluctuates a lot so you know in the summertime they get down to about 75, 77 but they actually do have a winter where strong is super high humidity rainy as shit and never gets cold uh so you know there's a really big difference in the way that these guys are kept but yet they're the same species for sure so um, so i don't really do did, did you say really you're gonna take a crack at uh breeding sarongs this season or barnex yeah absolutely yeah so so with with that process are you gonna go for are you gonna try and use like some type of rain chamber to stimulate a wet season for them dude i don't freaking know something yeah something i know (laughs) that uh you know i know that david was successful not doing that 
and I know that other people have been successful not doing that. I gotcha, um, I gotcha. But I, I do plan on having a wet season for them. Uh, I typically keep my scrubs on paper just because they shit and piss a lot. And I would rather change out shit and piss paper than shit and piss bedding because it's just so much that it's kind of overwhelming. Dude, I got to say, I that's exactly like... how I feel. I use puppy pads and paper towels for everything I have just for yeah. just for sanitary purposes. You know, I know it doesn't look the best, but it's, in my opinion, it's way more sanitary. But that's another conversation. I don't get, for... Dude, I, you know what? Uh, people want to diss the fucking paper. I don't care what you think. Fuck no. you. <laughs> Honestly, like I don't care. And there's no one that has a problem with my paper that's done anything I fucking care about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, I just I don't give a shit what you think, and it's fine. I keep paper. I do it for a reason. It's easier for me. It works for my collection. I don't believe in spot cleaning. I don't want a snake to piss and me to think, oh, I'm gonna pick up this little corner of bedding, and it's gonna be okay for another three or four fucking months. No, it's my ass. Yeah. Snake shit. My snake pisses. I clean the cage. I put it back. Repeat. Okay, yeah, that's, that's how I do it. It's how I've done it. It's worked. Fuck off. Yeah, that's honestly that's exactly how I feel. You know, uh, I tried to. Recently, I bought a bag of aspen, saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna start using this so I can spot clean instead." Then I got some shits out of it, and I was like, "No, I, I, I can't do it. Like this just just bothers me because so I dusty. I used I used uh, paper, uh, either paper towels or newspaper for so long, and to me personally, I just think it's more sanitary, you know, because rather than spot cleaning, because when you spot clean, you're just gonna you're just going to grab the poop and the urates that they gave out. You're not going to replace half the cage with piss that they gave out because unless you use paper bedding, you have no idea how much snakes actually piss when they go to the bathroom. Like it's, it's so much and there's no way you're going to spot clean half the cage once a week when they do that. And if you do, you're going to end up using so much money trying to do that so i would much rather use a paper bedding either i just recently switched over to puppy pads and man i gotta say i like them you you're know. welcome dude yeah. i will tell you be careful with puppy pads the only reason i'll tell you be careful with puppy pads is because they get eaten sometimes man really? like the whole pad oh that's not good like I, <laughs> i've heard of it like three times where you know, because look, everybody's like, you should watch your snake while it eats, and you should, like, babysit your animal while you're feeding it. Man, fuck, I don't have time for that shit, okay? If you do this, <laughs> I got a toddler, I got a wife, I fucking work like 60 hours a week, I got a full ass boy, I got shit to do. Like, time is money and important, and just, I just, I don't, I don't have enough of it. I need more of it every day. So I do not have time to sit here and watch every single snake eat. I wish I did, I don't. Uh, what, one thing, do. one thing I do to prevent that is when a snake grabs any rodent that I have, I move it to like, when he grabs onto the rat, I move it to like the center of the cage. So it doesn't have any chance of the, uh, of it grabbing like the corner. Cause I feel like if it's in the center of the tub or the cage or whatever it's in, it's not, it has much less of a chance to grabbing a piece of that puppy pad. Uh, but Dude, if as it, long it, as you have a process. That's all that matters. Yeah. Everything should have a process. If you have a process, it's good. 
chondros and puppy pads, that's freaking great. You're never going to have a problem. Right. But just just make sure that if you have a snake that's, that you're going to leave a rat, like, sitting on something, and then it's going to go bite it and eat it and wrap it, that you actually see it do that. Because, man, I, I, I... Dude, somebody had a nightmare of a time, again, in the carpet python discussion, but not that long ago. It was a couple of months ago. I, I actually and saw he, that, that. That snake had to get surgery to get that oh, pad removed, right? Yes, yeah, yes, I saw. Dude. I saw that thing, yeah. dude. I, when I if heard about to talk me out of puppy pads, it was that post. Yeah, like, yeah, shit. I saw that. He said he ate a whole puppy pad while he was eating the rat, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is not dude. good." <laughs> Bro, that was one expensive puppy pad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that cost to get out of that. Last I heard, it was doing well, but that was a solid thousand dollars. I should have watched that shit. Oh yeah, man, <laughs> that know? was so. That was so many. Puppy, he could have bought so many puppy pads with that money. <laughs> oh my god, the things that we do on accident, you know? Yeah, man. And, and look, I can't hate on the guy, man. I've made every mistake in the book, and it's why I feel like I'm good at what I do right now because I have fucked everything up so many times. When it comes to keeping, feeding, thermostats, heating, breeding, hatching, like anything that you can possibly do to make a mistake on, like I, I'm well versed in that mistake, and I've done that, and it sucks, and I've learned things the hard way, and and unfortunately, that's just what happens sometimes in our hobbies. You learn stuff because you should have done it one way, and you didn't, and yep. you fucking don't do that again. And there's shit that you just don't do again. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, yeah, the more sure. that we can learn from others' mistakes, the better. The unfortunate thing for me is that's never been my strong suit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, you know, by now, finally, I feel like I'm done making stupid mistakes. Until the next one, something stupid's gonna happen, and it's gonna be a fucking bummer. And I'll learn from it. And, and see, you know, I, I I feel like that right there, even though it's hard and it sucks when it happens, like that's really a part of the hobby. And the mistakes is are really what makes the hobby grow as a whole. You know, it's yeah. you know, especially when you post your mistakes. I you know, one thing I can't I can't say more to anybody is whenever you screw up, you know, share that and say, Hey, don't do what I did. This is what happened. You know, even learn from my mistakes. Exactly. You know, you do. I've, nobody yeah, wants yeah. nobody wants to be ridiculed on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. Nobody wants to be ridiculed. But you know, it's really good to share your experiences. You know, like, hey, I tried this. It didn't work. Don't do what I did. You know, um, and the same with your positive experiences. When it works, share it. You know, I, I can personally one thing I can't stand is when people have success doing something a certain way and then they don't want to they don't want to share what they did because it's some big secret Trade like, secrets you know man it's oh, this dude, this hobby yeah this dude. hobby is all about growing you know i have i really just want to help everybody i can you know and if i know something that somebody else doesn't i'm not going to keep it to myself if i can help the hobby yeah. as a whole grow i am absolutely going to do that you know it's i think it's really important to share your mistakes and your failure or your your mistakes and your successes you know it's uh, i i i really think people more people should do that you know because as a whole it'll really help the hobby and it'll help 
a lot of people going, you know, through their walk yeah. with breeding because we have new people coming into this every day, you know, new people coming cool. in trying to decide what they want to keep and if they want to breed, you know, and if I feel like if more people share their experiences and why, what they did, you know, I really feel like it would help the hobby as a whole. 100%. Yeah, man, and I'm huge about that, and I love sharing the things that are that are successful and what works. And I, I don't know, I'm on YouTube, but I don't really do much. I just every once in a while post things that I feel like important, which are only a couple times a year. I think I have like three videos on YouTube. But one of those videos, have you seen it? The one where I, I explain how I bred Southern Scrubs. I think yeah, yeah, I did. I did watch that personally. So for anyone who has scrubs, this is a scrub episode. I'm not getting in depth on my breeding practices, really, because we're just talking and having a good time, and it's kind of dull and boring. Uh, but I literally I wrote notes throughout the entire season of, of breeding scrub pythons, and I made a video that I posted on YouTube for just look it up Morelia House on YouTube. And, and I laid out like a template step-by-step what I did to produce strub pythons this season. And I'm not saying that it worked for you. I'm just saying that it worked for me. And I made it for myself as much as I did everyone else because I really want to be able to go back and be like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do again next season because I'd like to try to do this again. Um, But that is accessible on YouTube. And and I feel like this stuff shouldn't be a secret. It shouldn't be – you know, right. especially with the rare animals that aren't easy to breed, share your knowledge, man. You know? Yeah, like, abs- you absolutely. You did something that worked. Talk about it. Take freaking notes. Get a notebook. Write it down, no matter how trivial you think it is. If you are attempting something rare and unique that has not been done a whole bunch of times before that you can't just Google, then prove your attempt. Write out right. your process. Because yeah. if you're successful, that information is going to be valuable to someone. Yeah, and, and I and you know. I I definitely applaud because I, I saw that video uh, that you posted about exactly what you did, um, and I I really applaud you for for doing that because a lot of people, man, <clears throat> you know, take things like the um, like the Boellens Python. You know, there's so little so little about them as far as breeding because so little has been done with within captive breeding with that species um but a book was just published about you know the wild animals and you know captive care and you know everything about them and you know i really think this book is gonna really help uh the the captivity side of of the that species and uh i definitely think it's something that more people need to need to do need to consider you know because even things like scrubs you know they're they're by no means a new species in the hobby but they're definitely still not a super popular species but they're definitely gaining more popularity so you know videos like what you posted about exactly what you did uh during breeding season you know that's it's definitely going to help somebody along the way and it's definitely going to help me in a couple years when when I go to breed scrub pythons, because I definitely, after working with, you know, the boy that I have, I definitely want scrub pythons to be a, a big part of my future, you know, and I, and I really think a video like what you posted is really going to help a lot of people going forward and, and really considering what they have, because, you know, it's not only, 
it's not all about, you know, looking at a pretty snake and being like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to breed it. You really have to know exactly what you're getting into and the process that that you have to go through to in order to reproduce this animal. So, you know, if somebody's thinking about a southern scrub and then, you know, and their full intention is to breed, like, okay, let's look let's look into breeding southern scrubs. And then they see your video and say, Oh, that's well, that's way too much effort to go through in order to breed these, you know, then that deters them from getting into scrubs in order they go to something else. So that really that helps people just along their walk with a certain species, you know, if breeding is the intention, if just keeping is the intention, that's one thing. But if they want to go into it breeding, then, you know, seeing a video like what you post is really going to put things into perspective for them. You know what I mean? Totally, man. Yeah, totally. So I, I definitely think it's important that people really share their experiences. You know, I understand so I understand some people are a little bit more secretive, like, oh, I did this, so I wanna I wanna keep it to myself and try and uh try and you know, I feel like when people do that it's more so just to just to just to prove that they're the only to get ones. an edge on everyone else. Exactly. So they're the only ones that are reproducing captive bred animals, and so they can price them super high and make a bunch of money off their animals because they're captive really bred. I don't see that though in any of the Morelia circles. No, I, I really. That's no, much more dude, towards the more popular awesome. games, and that's Thank one of the nice. That yeah, up. that's one yeah. of the nice parts about the the Morelia community is everyone's kind of interconnected, and everyone's just actually interested and invested in what the other projects everyone else is doing. Yeah, man, and I had a lot of help along the way, you know. I mean, I've had a lot of mentors in my life and, and people that I respect in the hobby that have helped me out a lot and and got me to, to where I am and given me information to where if I didn't have it, I probably wouldn't have been successful. You know, like with Scrubs, this year when I produced my Southerns, if it wasn't for Nick Mutton and David Means, I don't know that I would have made it. You know, those are two of the guys that, that both together collectively really guided me along my path. And, yeah, I threw a lot of my own stuff in the mix. I didn't listen to everything they said. And some of the stuff that they said contradicted each other. But you you take your situation, which is going to be different from where you're at. Because you got to remember, you know, I got a guy like Nick who's produced a bunch of tannin bars and every other fucking species that there can be that has to do with Morelia, Spolay, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's, he's north, way fucking north. And, and his, his, he's going to deal with a much colder climate. And I got to deal with David on the east coast, who, again, is in a way different climate. I'm in the southwest. So because something works for me doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. If you follow exactly dot for dot what yeah, I said on that video, you have got to adapt. You've yeah. got to adapt your collection to what you have and where you have it find your own path you can definitely take the guidelines for what they are but then you're going to have to switch it up for whatever your reptile room does because i've lived in in tennessee i lived in tennessee for years and now i live in california and what my reptile room does here in southern california is 120 percent different than what it did when i was in east tennessee and it's important to understand that and to be able to adapt and change things based on your own Right, exactly. And that's, I really feel like that's an important factor, you know, really depending on where you, you know, like you said, where you live. 
because here, you know, me and Justin, you know, being the Morelia guys that we are, we're pretty fortunate in that, you know, we live in South Carolina. Humidity is rarely an issue. Yeah, exactly. You know, during the, during the summer, our humidity is what? At the lowest 70% up to, up to 90 to a hundred percent on the daily. And even during the winter, you know, we'll get down to maybe 30, 40%. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, with the the heat on and everything, it doesn't really get super dry. I don't really worry about it too much. Like when it rolls around, I'm like, just turn the heat on and I don't, I'm not too worried about exactly, you know, and you know, during the winter, you know, in order to bring humidity up, if things get sucked out, then I'll just do a simple spray on Mm -hmm. some of my animals while they're in shed and that's it, you know, so it's not really, it's not really an issue, but somebody in say, you know, where, you know, where my home, where, where I call home is Wisconsin. Somebody from Wisconsin is not going to have that luxury because it's a lot more dry out there during especially during the winter months and the summer months you know so you really have everything's covered in cheese dude shut up (laughs) (laughs) dude it's not all about cheese and meat in wisconsin all right there's more to us than that Aaron yeah, I went to a fantastic strip club in Wisconsin one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I've lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I've lived in Southern California, and I had to drive through Wisconsin. Oh, my God. Strip club. It, was, it was beautiful. Dude, okay. <laughs> well, we're in Wisconsin. What's the one thing we want to do? Well, <laughs> dude, I got it. Dude, place, minus, so. minus the, script, the strip clubs, like Wisconsin is like one of the best states in the USA. Uh, like, well, dude, what's a road trip if you can't enjoy it? You dude, know I mean? yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I absolutely feel you. But Wisconsin, dude, is a, it's a great state. I fucking, I freaking love Wisconsin. It's a, it's an awesome place. But anyways, back on track. Uh, you know, places like that. You know, you really have to, like you said, you have to adapt. You know, you talk to two different people from two different areas, and you really have to. A lot. I feel like a lot of people, especially new keepers don't uh take into the fact that what don't take into thought the area that they're living in you know somebody who lives in wisconsin is gonna have to they're not gonna be able to tell you how to keep your snakes if you live in florida exactly you know they you can't you can't list you can't do exactly everything like they do out there versus what you do in florida or south carolina you really have to kind of kind of take uh take bits and pieces from each side talk to more people you know for me fortunately uh me and david means live in uh more of the the northeast or the southeast region and uh you know we, i can kind of communicate he's with in him. what north carolina he no not north carolina um He's in the same time zone. I don't know exactly what That's state like he's in. That's like half the United States. Well, there you go. <laughs> I know he's on the coast. He's far away from I know he. I know he's, he's on the coast. So he celebrates New Year's at the same time we do. Philadelphia. <laughs> he can't be that far away. Yeah, he he uh, he's in the Eastern Time, and I know he lives on the coast, so I can go from there, you know. So I can take bits and bits and pieces from what he does, but you know, mostly what I do is actually, you know, I I have an iPhone, and Ooh. and it has a weather app. So what I have is um, for the Southern, 
I've got Wisconsin weather. No, not Wisconsin weather. I have Maruke weather, uh, so I can see exactly what goes on there during you know every time of the year. So I can actually try and um, try and replicate. I can't think of the right. And and you know what's funny about the Maruke weather is I hadn't looked at that when I bred my scrub pythons, and uh, man, I got them up. Uh, definitely a few degrees colder than they're used to. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, from what if I've you heard, watch my video, I, I got them colder than they're used to. For sure. From, from but, what I've heard, the fine. the terrain in Maruki is actually very like a lot of what I've what I've heard is pretty much if you stepped off the like Cape York Peninsula mm-hmm. onto Maruki, the terrain looks almost exactly the same. But if you go up to Sauron and stuff, it's much more tropical. Oh yeah, I would I would imagine. Well, That's why everyone wants Maruki chondras so much because they look so much and like you know the what's Australian. What's funny about these weather apps is you don't really know where the weather station's at. Yeah. So <laughs> you're trying to pull these numbers from these different areas, and I've noticed this through my research. And there might not be a, a weather station for a hundred fucking miles from oh, where damn. you're trying to pull your numbers right. from, and a hundred miles is a completely different environment. Yeah, that's... that's so uh, at some point, you have to take it with a grain of salt because it might Yeah, not be and, and I'm not saying I follow the numbers that my iPhone tells me 100% because let's it face it... It gives you an idea. It, that, that, and that's all I'm getting at. You know, for... Let's take Beaufort County, for instance, where Justin and I live. Uh, it tells us about four to five you know, days out of the week, it says, oh, there's going to be a 30 to 70% chance of rain all week, and then we don't get a damn drop. And then the next week is... 10%, and then it rains all day. Yeah, then it rains all day. You know, it it changes constantly. So for anybody that's listening, I totally realize that Apple weather is not that accurate, but it gives me an idea. Stevie Wonder could be a better weather You know, you have highland animals. Right. Which I don't own any highlands, but I'd love to, and I've looked into them. And there's the Ptolema Harris, mm-hmm. that's the best I can say it, and the Oskables are, are the two that are localities that you may or may not see in available in herpiculture. And those are both considered highland animals, right? Okay, so let's look at this. The elevation uh, for town of Mahara is 88 feet above sea level. Mm-hmm. The elevation for Oskopol... And where is that located in relation to other localities? Uh, that's on the mountain range, so okay. it's right in the center of western Papua. Gotcha. So, Oskopol is, is on the mountain range, and Tolmehera is, is further south in the highlands. And I want to say that Oskopol is at about, hold on, let me, I have, I, I should have written this down in my book, one moment. Okay, so the Oskopol Airport is at 4,288 feet for elevation. Hmm. Palmahera is at 83 feet for elevation. Whoa. But those are both considered highland scrubs. 
See, so that's... If, you, if you call either one of those Highland Scrubs, you're correct. But you're talking about 4,200 foot insane. difference in elevation wow. in between the two. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of our scrubs are named off of airports um, more so than cities. So where did they actually collect the oak-suitable animals? Who knows? Yeah. Where did they actually collect the tom hair animals? I don't really know, but they're both considered highlands, and there's a 4,200-foot difference in fucking elevation in between those two cities, um, which is going to be a huge difference in temperature. Massive. Right. You know, right. permanently right now, this week, it's going to get down to 55 degrees in Oskable. Mm-hmm. Now, seeing Lawrence's, you know what I mean? seeing Lawrence's animal... Because he has, he I think he recently got one yeah. or two of those, or he he's, has a few. He's, he's got a couple. I don't. Are they all dark scribbles. like that? Um, no. I mean, I've seen a lot of really high, and I think a lot of that depends on the time of year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like higher elevation animals are going to be dark. See, that's what I was thinking um, when I saw that. It's and only you about me where an additional are, but... two thousand feet until you get to Bullen's height. Yeah. Uh, which you know the Bullens are, are going to be your solid blacks, and the Oskables. Again, I'm sorry, butchering that name, um, but they're they're not black. You know, there's a very bright orange coloration, and they're a little darker along the top, and they have very bright orange sides. Mm -hmm. But they're in an environment, if they're collected close to that area, which we we don't really know. You know, they're named off of the airport. That's the way that localities are, are chosen, basically. It's not necessarily where you're collected as much as what airport you flew out of, which should theoretically be close to where you're collected um you know it's 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 a different thing you know like the waminas are are on the north side of the highland of of the mountain yeah so that mountain range is fucking ridiculously tall let me see if i even i I, i'm pretty sure i wrote down the elevation there's a mountain range that separates northern and southern western papua and that's the what separates the Congo species. Yeah, it's the Mayok Mountains, uh, and the peak is sixteen thousand and twenty-four feet high, Whoa. which is insane. I grew up in Park City, Utah, and I used to ski Snowbird, which is one of the most epic ski resorts on the planet. And the peak at Snowbird is like twelve thousand feet. Wow. So to know that the these mountains are fucking way higher than that, yeah, that's yeah. asinine, you know, right. way, that, that that's insane. And those stretch about 400 miles long, and that's what separates your southern uh, localities and your highlands, your southern highlands uh, from your Waminas and your Sarongs is yeah. that mountain range. And somewhere in the middle live Bolin's pythons, you know, <laughs> up over up over six thousand feet above sea level. And, and that, that's and that, the way right, that Western Papua is made. And that right there would pretty much explain why the Bolin's pythons are such a such a difficult species to get to breed to get, you know, because in order to get them reproduced, you, get you really have to. You really have to. If you've got islands which are 2,000 miles 
less lower in sea level, the highlands that aren't black at all, that are getting down to at least, you know, 55 degrees Fahrenheit. How cold do you think Bolins get? Right. That's probably cold as shit. You can't Google it. That number doesn't exist. Yeah, Fucking try. <laughs> Hopefully it's in the new, I'm sure it's in the new book that, that they just put out, the Bowen's Python yeah. book. But as far as Googling it and trying to find that information, you trust me, it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really think the best way to figure out how to breed Bowen's Pythons, you know, uh, actually like successfully in captivity is going to be go spend – spend 365 days in their environment you know and really spend an entire year there and see exactly what they go through through the dead of winter through the peak of summer you know and really really um really just create that high up what, there probably isn't much of a summer to yeah, begin with just so. really create you know exactly and, and i would love through. don't get me wrong i would love to own bowen's pythons oh, i really yeah. want to own bowen's pythons every morelia i would <laughs> dude their their prices inflated inflated as fuck right now i'm sorry but it's yeah. i would be so paranoid that i would i am it. not going to spend that much money on a pair of snakes dude but, i saw you know, i saw a single you've got highlands that are more rare oscopoles are more rare in captivity than Bolin's python. A lot of people have Bolin's python. You know, I get it. It's a pretty black snake, and it's fucking gorgeous. But that's like an extra $6,000 over the current price of islands. Like, I don't fuck. Dude, I saw a single, I think I saw, it was either a single male or a single female. A captive bred animal was going for four grand. A single, yeah, a rough single scales were going for that not that long ago. Well, that yeah, was not that yeah, long ago, but now there, rough there scales aren't going anywhere near grand. for that. Dude, there was a pair for ten grand. Oh at, my uh, god! San Diego at the San Diego show this year. That dude, I just personally like, yeah, like Those I, I, I long, love. I'm sure I, I could have talked them down to eight. It's not really my style, <laughs> but, but I still, I am man, still, it's so. like you know, it's. <laughs> I don't get me wrong. I would love to keep Bolin's pythons, and you know, if I had, if I had the funds, maybe I would. But I can't like. That's a lot of chondros. I can't ethically spend eight grand on eight to ten grand on two snakes and be okay with it. Like I'm probably not absolutely not. <laughs> and then not I'm not eggs. in a position in life where that's okay. I bought a pair of rough scale pythons this year. We haven't talked about that yet. This show, they're fucking awesome, dude. On like, I wasn't, I, I, I was gonna try and, I was gonna, I wanted to get into that a little bit, uh, but I, I know we're running. That's gonna have to be another. Yeah, that's gonna have to be another. That's gonna have to be another really episode because man, oh, that's, they're so cool. Though, right, man. I'm right now, you. once I, you, so cool. once I get my female scrub, that's my next. That's. That's my next project. Like I, dude, I can't tell you how bad I want rough scale pythons. They are just so stinking cool. But yeah, that's gonna well, be. Well, you can buy a female for me, but you gotta buy a, a male with her because I'm only selling them as a pair. I have a pair left. Are you you talking, gotta buy the pair. You talking about the scrubs? Yeah. Oh man. We'll see. Got to buy the pair. We'll it's we'll see. We'll see. You're 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 holding them back currently, right? 
No, I, I have a pair that will at some point be available. Well, that's what I mean. I, I, you know, for now you're I have holding a pair, them. though. They gotta go as a pair. I'm not gonna sell them individually. Right, Just right. Do yeah. it, brats, dude. I gotta have cash, man. That's money. Just do it. Do you want to buy them for me? No. Well, then, <laughs> well, then you I can't tell live me to vicariously buy. through you. <laughs> Yeah, Justin doesn't want to own scrubs because of the size, so he wants to just like live through me because he wants to have them, but he's not cool enough. So <laughs> say what you want. I will say Do what I you want. want. <laughs> Do what you want. Yeah, we'll it's important see. to have an extra pair. I've learned that too. Exactly, an extra pair. I've heard. I've learned that over the years. I don't have a whole lot of that in my own collection. I have a couple extra miles, but. Man, it sucks when shit hits the fan and all of a sudden you're Fox and you're like, oh, I'm so close to the breeding season, but this happened. Fuck. <laughs> you know? Well, and yeah. battling is epic. Have you ever, have you bred before? Have you produced a clutch yet? He's never even been with a girl before. Of any of that? Oh my God. <laughs> no, I I haven't produced anything yet. I attempted last year to produce a couple carpets, but you know my living situation. Oh, really so you've never battled? Have you battled? Have you battled males? I have not yet. Beyblades. I love battling males. I'm telling you, it's this shit. People are weird about fighting males, but it's the coolest thing ever. And sometimes <laughs> it's just what it takes to get a male to breathe. And honestly, and like I am, up and freaking toss each other around the cage and go at it before you throw them to a female. It's freaking awesome. I, I am personally it's not. Cool. I am personally not against male combat at all, as long as you keep an eye on them. You fight I, me right I now. Have, I have. Oh, I've seen. It should seen only last it. like they do. Dude, male combat should last total of like 90 seconds yeah like if you 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 pull that sucker out and you're good but yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely because you know in my opinion in captivity if you do male combat whenever you separate them and eat every single you know in the two males eyes both males won because the other one is gone you know what I mean? Yeah. So there is no yeah. loser in that situation. Both males are like, "F yeah, I won. Like, time to go. Let's get that. Let's get that girl." You know, it's yeah. uh, my, my natty light in my skull. I, I'm <laughs> telling you, man. There's something in male combat. There's plenty of people that don't you it. You do it, and would rather use the shit. But man, I like gangster shit. I don't want to watch you <laughs> throw down. So, you know, it, it, I don't. I don't care. It's fucking cool. <laughs> For sure, for sure. It's a good time. If you can ever get an extra mail just for just just for combat purposes, it's epic. Well just out of curiosity. Just out of curiosity, do uh do the scrub pythons do the male combat as well? Two scrubs and I don't know. I haven't tried it leaves. yet. You haven't tried I, it I, yet? <laughs> No, I, I've I've come by the carpets a lot. Yeah, yeah, know, no, no, I definitely years, know. All, all I'm wondering is like, is that like a uh, a wild type thing? Have, have people seen scrub pythons in the wild, like male Going. combating fight club? When it comes to breeding scrubs, you scrubs are horny creatures. Man. <laughs> Males, they want to get down. There are countless people that have had locks when it comes yeah, to yeah. getting a male and a female to lock. You get your pair to lock, you haven't done fuck all because the challenge is laying the clutch. Yeah, cause because Borden has his get, Malukans together and he says he's seen a few locks, but I don't think he's gotten anything from his. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's it, it's all about getting your female to ovulate and produce clutch. That's where I'm getting at with them to lock. That that shit's easy. They're horny fucking snakes. Getting them <laughs> to breed is not an issue. the The issue is timing and cycling the female properly to where right. she she's producing clutch snakes. That's where. Uh, a lot of scrub python breeders have failed in the past, and and that's what's hard to accomplish. I gotcha. Cool, man. Yeah, well, we're we're, uh, we're at uh, yeah, this we're is, about one forty. This is definitely a long has been a longer episode than what we're uh, what we usually do. It's worth. Uh, well, it's been awesome, and I've had fun hanging out with you. Yeah, guys. man. This is this is definitely on your podcast. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. This has uh, definitely been one of my favorite episodes. Honestly, before uh, before you commented on one of our posts, I never really thought about having a scrub python episode. Like, it just never really crossed my mind because Justin had all these people lined up. And then uh, you commented saying, "So when's the when's the scrub python episode?" And I was like, and "We had uh, a we had a slot open." Yeah, I was like, like hey. "Fuck yeah, we need to have that happen like right now. Like that that has to be a thing like asap." <laughs> well, you know, I've got to say, I appreciate your podcast. I've listened to every episode that you've put out so far, and uh, you guys have an interesting perspective and a different take on things, and and, and it's nice. You know, I've been a fan of of the other podcasts, you know, for years. I've listened to NPR since day one. And it's awesome to have all these different options and opportunities to listen throughout the week because I drive at work all day. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, I drive, I work for a plumbing company in a sales position, and I drive up and down the coast of San Diego all day long. And that shit sucks because traffic's a bitch. And it's nice to be able to throw on a podcast and just chill and listen to it. So sure. I appreciate what you guys do, and you guys keep doing what you're doing. We Thanks, appreciate man. it, man. That means a lot. You know, you're definitely, uh, definitely one of my. I, 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 one thing I tell people is I have a small group of uh, of guys that I really look up to in this hobby and that I really respect. Uh, you know, within you know, again, the hobby. And uh, you're definitely one of them. And, uh, well, know. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I used man. to do the love this shit. I, like I said, I don't know if I'm anybody to look up to. I've made more mistakes than I've made made successes, but it makes the success but, but see, I feel like the people that are most successful in the hobby have made the most mistakes. That's, that's yeah. the, they're the ones who have learned the most. That that's a that you can you can quote me on that. I I definitely think the think the people that are the most successful have definitely made the most mistakes because that's that's really what that in my opinion separates the men from the boys exactly you know Uh, i i I really think the people (laughs) that have made the mistakes have really helped the hobby you know the hobby isn't going to you know keeping snakes and keeping pythons you know whether it be colubrids pythons boas whatever anything you're not gonna you're not going to move forward without screwing up a little bit you know it's you really have to make mistakes to move forward and and to better the hobby as a whole you know if you're not if everything stays the same nothing's going to get better it's going to be neutral you know but if people start to experiment a little bit yeah you might screw up but learn from that but with you know changing things up and trying to trying to better things you know yeah you you'll make mistakes but you'll also you also may make a huge discovery that 
could change things for the better as a whole, you know, and then that just betters the hobby. You know, it's, there's definitely a whole nother side to it. And the sting of seeing an animal at the bottom of the trash can. Yes. <laughs> there's always that, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, yeah, ex- experiment, definitely experiment and try different things to see if they work, but do it within the limits of the animal. Like if you know, if you can see, tell like, it's absolutely not going to work. And you're, if your animal is either going to die or survive out of trying this, maybe don't do it because, you know, it's not necessarily worth the life of an animal, but if you can attempt something without risking your animal's lives, then definitely try it and try to, you know, better, better things as a whole, because it could very well, you know, help a lot of people out and help the entire hobby out as a, as an entire, you know, so that's a, I definitely think, again, I definitely think that people have made the most, the most mistakes have definitely, you know, helped the hobby the most. So, Definitely don't count your don't definitely don't count yourself short, Brandon. I followed you for a long time. I've been friends with you for quite a while, and I followed what you've been doing. And uh, I definitely I've definitely looked up for up to you for a while, and uh, definitely appreciate everything that you're doing in this hobby. Well, I appreciate you guys. You all take it easy. Thank you for where, where can people find you? Podcast. If anybody has any questions or wants to hit me up for any reason whatsoever, Brandon Wheeler on Facebook. Morelia House on Facebook, also Morelia House on on Instagram. And uh, I love talking scrubs. I love talking carpets. Fucking rough skills are pretty cool. That's new <laughs> to me. We'll chat to you about that, too, if you want. It was a pretty badass. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't give a shit. You want to talk about pythons, hit me up. Yeah, man. And uh, you guys take it easy and have yourself a good night, all right? Thanks, man. For sure. You too, man. Bye later yeah anybody that uh that's any anywhere interested in scrub pythons or carpet pythons or even rough scales you know uh definitely hit up brandon wheeler at morelia house he's uh he's a great dude as you can tell from this last episode he's uh very easy to get along with very easy to talk to uh he's overall great guy um he's very down to earth very easygoing um you know very knowledgeable as well he's been in this hobby for a long time and uh, he's been keeping for for a long time uh so anybody interested in really anything um definitely hit definitely hit brandon up uh great dude uh we loved having him on this episode i'm very glad he was able to come on uh but as always, I am Jacob Brotz with JLB Morelli. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, I'm here with... Tired? Tired. <laughs> it's bedtime, man. <laughs> I feel I'm you, bro. Beat. Yeah, uh, this is same. Justin Smith with Palmetto Coast Exotics. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you so choose at Palmetto Coast Exotics. Be sure to subscribe to the Herpeticulture Podcast on... SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Um, got some cool stuff in the uh, lineup for coming episodes. I don't know. I'm still deciding if I should like tell people like kind of who's planned for next episode. But I kind of like it being I, sort I, of a surprise. Yeah, and, like, I definitely want to keep it a surprise. It. Yeah, one thing I will say, you know, as <clears> we look forward to this podcast, you know, one thing that we want to try and keep 
we w definitely want to try to keep things a little different. So it's definitely not going to be always Morelia. It's yeah, definitely I'm not, gonna, I'm, it's definitely go not always going to be even snakes. It's not always going to be snakes. diversify a little bit. I got some dart frog yeah. people lined up. I got yeah. some Bavarian people lined up. Uh, just some cool stuff. Yeah. You know. So it's Try and change it up because I don't want, you know, anybody that's not a snake person to be like, oh, it's a reptile podcast, yeah. but all they do is talk about snakes. So yeah, I want to kind of one... change it up. One thing that, you know, we're really trying to shoot for is to uh, kind of accommodate everybody. You know, we want everybody to listen to this. And um, if you have anybody that, you know, for those of you listening, if there's anybody in particular that you think would be a good person for us to hit up, send us, you know, a message or whatever and let us know and we'll check them out and maybe set something up. We'll see. But getting people to come on the show is not difficult. That's not the hard part at all. No, absolutely not. Everyone's been really cool lately. So, yeah, we have yet to anybody. One thing I've really enjoyed is like anybody we asked to come on, they've been one hundred percent on board. You know, anybody mm -hmm. who's ever listened to the podcast, they've really, they've really supported us and have been very willing to come on. And frankly, you know, me personally, it means a lot when people. They must be doing something right. Yeah, if people really, you know, we don't have. We don't have a huge following, but the people that do follow us and listen to every episode, uh, they've really enjoyed well, it. I mean, we're still new, man. Yeah, like, man. 13 and episodes that, in. That's, and that's, I'm, still, I'm happy with Yeah, I, I absolutely have no problem. Following so far. Yeah, and we could stay like exactly where we're at for the next five, six, seven mm -hmm. years, and I would be completely happy. Because it's fun. We've definitely beginning um we've been, been more some consistent. Feedback. Yeah. That's been good. You yeah, know, we've been doing it on Fridays, so it kinda <laughs> makes Fridays something to look forward to. Yeah, you know. You know? Um but yeah, it's it's been really good and really we just want to keep our listeners happy. You know, as far as as far as the growing aspect goes, we could stay exactly where we're at or we could gain a bunch of more followers, you know, listeners over the next you know, however long we do this podcast and it wouldn't, it wouldn't change a thing for us. Um, all we, we do it for the hobby. Exactly. We just want to better the hobby and get people's perspe per perspectives and keep things moving forward, you know, um, forward momentum. Exactly. That's, that's the only way this, this hobby, this business, whatever is going to move forward. Um, so that's definitely our, our goal, but, more than anything, we definitely want to keep things changed up. You know, we're Morelia guys, you know, more than anything, but we definitely want to accommodate everybody that, you know, in the hobby, you know, whether it be dart frogs, lizards. Well, that's the neat thing is like with this, we can talk to, like, I know a fair decent amount about dart frogs, but not exactly. a ton. Yeah. But it'd be really cool to be able to talk to us. Like, I'm getting to learn just as much as the people listening to it are. Right. Like, that's, right. That's, I like that. I appreciate that a lot. Like, that's a, for sure that's a thing you know yeah but <clears throat> we'll holler at y'all next week all right yeah last week uh we had a bit of a problem with the uh, hurricane florence down lack in this of area a hurricane. yeah lack of a hurricane we i got was very lucky i was stuck at work yeah our our county definitely got lucky with hurricane florence uh but we didn't record last week because I was on call constantly with work because I work for Beaufort County. Um, and so I always had to be on standby and I worked a lot all last week. So we were unable to record. We had to push our NPR episode back a week and it, it was just it delayed thing. a whole bunch of stuff. Hurricanes yeah. just put life on pause. Right. So we, so we kind of had to hold off on the podcast for last week. So we apologize for 
making our however many listeners, you know, constant listeners wait an extra week for an no, episode. But yeah. Live in hurricane territory <laughs> and you'll understand. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But as always, I'm Jacob Brotz with JLB Morelia. And I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto's Exotics. Y'all have a wonder one wonderful evening. And weekend. <laughs> Night y'all.